Hello and welcome to episode 481 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this morning. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Sunday, March 26th, 2023 in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us begin with the Sunday prayer to the Most Blessed Virgin Mary to obtain forgiveness of our sins by St. Alphonsus Liguri. Behold, O Mother of God, at thy feet a miserable sinner, a slave of hell who has recourse to thee and trusts in thee. I do not deserve that thou shouldest even look at me, but I know that thou, having seen thy son die for the salvation of sinners, hast the greatest desire to help them. I hear all call thee the refuge of sinners, the hope of those who are in despair, and the help of the abandoned. Thou art then my refuge, my hope, and my help. Thou hast to save me by thy intercession. Help me for the love of Jesus Christ. Extend thy hand to a miserable creature who has fallen and recommends himself to thee. I know that thy pleasure is to help a sinner to thy utmost. Help me, therefore, now that thou canst do so. By my sins I have lost divine grace, and with it my soul. I now place myself in thy hands. Tell me what I must do to recover the favor of my Lord, and I will immediately do it. He sends me to thee, that thou mayest help me, and he wills that I should have recourse to thy mercy, that not only the merits of thy Son, but also that thy intercession may help me to save my soul. To thee, then, I have recourse. Do thou, who prayest for so many others, pray also to Jesus for me. Ask him to pardon me, and he will forgive me. Tell him that thou desirest my salvation, and he will save me. Show how thou canst enrich those who trust in thee. Amen. Thus I hope, thus may it be. May all the words that I speak be so many arrows dipped in the blood of thy sacred heart, O Jesus, to pierce the hearts of all who hear them with love for thee. Amen. Holy face of Jesus of the veil of Veronica. Dear Lord, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer these prayers in reparation for the sins which most offend God in our times. Blasphemy, the profanation of Sunday and holy days, and communism. Pater noster, quias in celi, sanctificator nomen tuum. Adveniat regnum tuam, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panam nostrum quotidianum de nobis hodie, et dimite nostra, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitibus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libra nos amalo. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tua mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, sicut erat in principio et nunc et semper et in secula seculorum. Amen. The Golden Arrow Prayer. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most mysterious and unutterable name of God be praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and in the hells by all God's creatures, and by the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. For the defeat of communists, Freemasons, and all revolutionary men. Eternal Father, I offer thee the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and all the instruments of his holy passion, that thou mayest put division in the camp of thy enemies. For as thy beloved Son hath said, a kingdom divided against itself shall fall. Eternal Father, we offer thee the holy face of Jesus, covered with blood, sweat, dust, and spittle in reparation for the crimes of communists, blasphemers, and for the profaners of the holy name and of the holy day of Sunday. Amen.
friends, today we are heading back to the Fish Eaters website located at fisheaters.com and checking out a section called Traditional Catholicism 101, a brief primer. On this podcast, we're trying to get back to the apostolic faith, as Father David Nix calls it. What worked pre-Vatican II Catholicism? I realize that there are problems at every time in church history, and certainly um, there were issues in the church in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, which led to the disaster that was Vatican II and then changing the mass in the late 1960s, early 1970s. But we want to get back to the roots of the faith. And that's what this article is going to begin to describe. And we're going to be working with this website um, for the foreseeable future because there's a lot of great information here, a lot of gems that if you're new to traditional Catholicism, I think it would be wonderful to share with you. It's a great resource. The author begins by saying, A typical scenario, you listened to EWTN or Catholic Answers and have found through them that the earliest Christians were Catholic, that Catholic dogma is not unscriptural. You become convinced that Jesus Christ did set up a church, that he did so upon the rock of St. Peter, and that the gates of hell will never prevail against it. You are willing to intellectually assent to the eternal teachings of the church and truly desire to become a serious, committed Catholic who serves and worships our Lord Jesus Christ. You do what most people do in this case. You call up your local parish and get enrolled in an RCIA program. You don't hear much about Mary, the other saints, sin, purgatory, or hell. You hear very little about the Mass as a propitiatory sacrifice, but instead hear it described only as a celebratory meal. Depending on the parish you're in, you may hear and see things that seem totally contradictory to what you'd always heard the Catholic Church teaches. Your RCIA instructor may say things like, the Catholic Church doesn't teach that anymore since Vatican II, and may come off as religiously indifferent, not insistent enough that the Church is Christ's Church, and that outside of her there is no salvation. The Masses offered seem not too unlike what you'd see at a Lutheran, low-church Anglican, or maybe even a Pentecostal faith community. You've always associated Catholic with things like eating fish on Fridays, nuns and habits, confessionals, and stained glass, with things that are ancient, mysterious, and beautiful. You look around your local parish and are wondering why nothing you see there seems to match up. You were expecting this, and there's a picture of the priest offering at a traditional Latin mass, but got this, and there's a banal picture of a very modernist-looking altar. It says you thought you'd see this, a very beautiful church you've shown, but got this instead, a very modernist post-Vatican II church. Sincere Catholics speak of the absolute sacredness of communion, so you thought that receiving would be more like this. And you see women and men receiving. The women have veils on. They're kneeling at a communion rail, receiving on the tongue. Then like this, and you see kids, one of whom is wearing a basketball jersey, they're all wearing jeans, and they're receiving Holy Communion standing and in the hand. Something in you is worried. What you are seeing and hearing in your local parish seems too Protestant, or maybe even pagan or Unitarian. Whatever it is, it just doesn't add up. 
all sense of mystery, of holiness, of ancientness, of beauty is missing. At the very least, it's just not Catholic enough. It isn't reverent. It isn't holy. What is going on? How can you know if you're being taught, if what you're being taught is truly Catholic, if the spirit of your parish isn't Catholic? What has happened to the human element of the church? The next section is what happened. Ever since the time of the so-called Enlightenment and up to the mid-20th century, popes warned us with increasingly greater fervor about the enemies of the church. From Pope Gregory XVI's Mirari Vos, 1832, to Leo XIII's Humanum Genus, 1884, to Pope Pius XI's Divini Redemptoris, 1937, to Pope Pius XII's Humani Generis, 1950, We have been warned that the church has enemies and that their errors are spreading. These errors, whose roots go back to the mystery of the synagogue of Satan of the apocalypse, began to germinate during the so-called enlightenment and are summed up by the word modernism. Called the synthesis of all heresies by Pope St. Pius X, modernism is summarized in the Catholic encyclopedia thus, a spirit of complete emancipation tending to weaken ecclesiastical authority, the emancipation of science, which must traverse every field of investigation without fear of conflict with the church, the emancipation of the state, which should never be hampered by religious authority, the emancipation of the private conscience, whose inspirations must not be overridden by papal definitions or anathemas, the emancipation of the universal conscience with which the church should be ever in agreement, a spirit of movement and change, with an inclination to be a sweeping form of evolution such as abhors anything fixed and stationary, a spirit of reconciliation among all men through the feelings of the heart. Many and varied also are the modernist dreams of an understanding between the different Christian religions, nay, even between religion and a species of atheism, and all on a basis of agreement that must be superior to mere doctrinal differences. The adherents of these ideas gained more and more power over time, fueled by masonry and taking on guises as apparently disparate as communism and usurious capitalism, where usurious and not the idea the market determining wages, prices, and production is key. Most importantly, the modernist enemies of Christ have even infiltrated into the human element of the church itself. Pope St. Pius X warned about this in his 1907 encyclical about modernism, Pescendi Domenici Gregus. The number of the enemies of the cross of Christ has in these last days increasing, increased in exceedingly, who are striving by arts, entirely new and full of subtlety, to destroy the vital energy of the church, and if they can, to overthrow utterly Christ's kingdom itself. Wherefore, We may no longer be silent, lest we should seem to fall in our most sacred duty, and lest the kindness that, in the hope of wiser counsels we have hitherto shown them, should be attributed to forgetfulness of our office. That we make no delay in this matter is rendered necessary, especially by the fact that the partisans of error are to be sought not only among the church's open enemies, they lie hid, a thing to be deeply deplored and feared, in her very bosom and heart, and are the more mischievous, the less conspicuously they appear. We allude, venerable brethren, to many who belong to the Catholic laity. Nay, and this is far more lamentable, 
to the ranks of the priesthood itself, who feigning a love for the church, lacking the firm protection of philosophy and theology, nay, more, thoroughly imbued with the poisonous doctrines taught by the enemies of the church, and lost to all sense of modesty, vaunt themselves as reformers of the church, and forming more boldly into line of attack, assail all that is most sacred in the work of Christ, not sparing even the person of the divine Redeemer, whom with sacrilegious daring they reduce to a simple mere man. We have said they put their designs for her ruin into operation, not from without, but from within. Hence, the danger is present almost in the very veins and heart of the church, whose injury is the more certain, the more intimate is their knowledge of her. Moreover, they lay the axe not to the branches and shoots, but to the very root, that is, to the faith and its deepest fires. And having struck at this root of immortality, they proceed to disseminate poison through the whole tree, so that there is no part of Catholic truth from which they hold their hand, none that they do not strive to corrupt. There has been an influx into the church of those who have, with or without malice, imbibed the spirit of the Enlightenment. And there's been a full-scale, deliberate infiltration by outright malicious political enemies and religious heretics who share the goals and tactics of those who hold to Enlightenment ideals. Manning Johnson, a former official of the Communist Party in America, testified before the House Un-American Activities Committee in 1953. Once the tactic of infiltration of religious organizations was set by the Kremlin, the communists discovered that the destruction of religion could proceed much faster through the infiltration of the church by communists operating within the church itself. The communist leadership in the United States realized that the infiltration tactic in this country would have to adapt itself to American conditions and the religious makeup peculiar to this country. In the earliest stages, it was determined that with only small forces available to them, it would be necessary to concentrate communist agents in the seminaries. The practical conclusion drawn by the Red Leaders was that these institutions would make it possible for a small communist minority to influence the ideology of future clergymen and the paths conducive to communist purposes. The policy of infiltrating seminaries was successful beyond even our communist expectations. A Catholic monk who heard ex-communist Bella Dodd speak at Fordham University in the 1950s had this to say, I listened to that woman for four hours, and she had my hair standing on end. Everything she said has been fulfilled to the letter. You would think she was the world's greatest prophet, but she was no prophet. She was merely exposing the step-by-step -step battle plan of communist subversion of the Catholic Church. She explained that of all the world's religions, the Catholic Church was the only one feared by the communists, for it was its only effective opponent. The whole idea was to destroy not the institution of the church, but rather the faith of the people, and even use the institution of the church, if possible, to destroy the faith through the promotion of a pseudo-religion, something that resembled Catholicism, but was not the real thing. Once the faith was destroyed, she explained that there would be a guilt complex introduced into the church to label the church of the past as being oppressive, authoritarian, full of prejudices, arrogant in claiming to be the sole possessor of truth, and responsible for the divisions of religious bodies throughout the centuries. This would be necessary in order to shame church leaders into an openness to the world and to a more flexible attitude 
toward all religions and philosophies. The communists would then exploit this openness in order to undermine the church. In the human element of our church, we are seeing the results of this infiltration coupled with the effects of the pressures of secular materialism and sheer hedonism in the popular culture. We will end at that point for today, but doesn't that describe the church we're seeing right now in the year 2023, friends? This apologetic attitude of, oh, I'm so sorry for what the church has done or um, any particular member of the church, that something that happened decades or even centuries ago, I'm, I'm sorry about that, or this religious indifferentism that all religions are the same. And well, inevitably, that's led to atheism. That's led to uh, priests and nuns leaving the seminaries, leaving their vocations back in the 60s and 70s. Catholics stopped going to mass, stopped receiving uh, the sacraments, stopped going to confession, stopped even having their children baptized. And what do you have then? Well, you have churches closing, Catholic schools closing. Um, For instance, in Philadelphia, it's my understanding, up until the late 1960s, tuition was free for Catholic schools because you had so many nuns teaking there. They'd taken vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. They didn't have to charge tuition, if you can believe that. Then what happens throughout the 1970s? Well, a lot of nuns start leaving. Vocations fall off the cliff after the changes of Vatican II and the changes to the Mass. So they have to hire lay faculty. They have to pay them. And the price of uh, tuition goes up and up and up. And then the quality of the education, Catholic education you were getting went down. And now a lot of those schools no longer exist. And a lot of those churches are closed. That's why I say we have to return to pre-Vatican II Catholicism. We have to return to traditional Catholicism. And only then will you see the boom in vocation the boom in vocations to the priesthood and religious life, the boom in holy vocations to marriage. Where are uh, the holy priests coming from? The Society of St. Pius X. They had 79 seminarians this past year, to my understanding, the most they've ever had in places like formerly uh, devoutly Catholic Ireland. You're hardly having anyone enter the priesthood because it's no longer seen as a life of sacrifice. And in many instances, um, sadly, tragically, it's a dating service for homosexuals. This is horrific. Absolutely and, and utterly horrific. We need to get back to traditional Catholicism and only then can we build up a truly Catholic culture. Let's conclude by mentioning Helping Autism Through Learning and Outreach, available on the web at halo-soma.org, and also episode 277 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast, in which I discuss with my wonderful niece and wonderful sister, RPM, which is an acronym for Rapid Prompting Method, a system of communication for non-speakers. It's been a truly revolutionary breakthrough and has helped thousands of families, and we pray that it will help thousands more. I'd also like to ask if you feel that you've benefited at all from this podcast and it is worthy of it, kindly give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That really would help. 
Now let's pray for help and for healing for our non-speaking friends and family members as we call upon the intercession of my beloved co-patron, St. Raphael the Archangel and St. Joseph. Almighty and eternal God, healer of those who trust in you through the intercession of St. Raphael Archangel, hear my prayer for non-speakers and their families. In your tender mercy, restore them to spiritual and bodily health that they may give you thanks, praise your name, and proclaim your wondrous love to all. I ask this through Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. The Memorare to St. Joseph. Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto you, my spiritual father, and beg your protection. O foster father of the Redeemer, despise not my petitions, but in your goodness hear and answer me. Amen. The three Hail Marys in honor of the Immaculate Purity of Our Lady of Fatima. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tua mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora per nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tua mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora per nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tua mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora per nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. And a Gloria Patri for a special intention. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, sicut erat in principio et nunc et semper et in secula seculorum. Amen. Sweetheart of Mary, be the salvation of Russia, Spain, Portugal, Europe, the United States of America, Canada, and the whole world. Virgo potens, or pernobis. Sancti Osef, terra daimonem, or pernobis. Sancta Raphael Archangeli, or pernobis. Inumonopatris et fili et spiritus sancti. Amen. Thank you very kindly, my friends, for listening to episode 481 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. In your charity, please share Our Lady's podcast with everyone you know. Follow us on Twitter. The handle is at Fatima Podcast. And most importantly, please offer our prayers and sacrifices for our Catholic bishops. Goodbye and God love you.